Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Young Lovers. Ooh, Young Lovers. I know, Dan getting gross. Hey, what's that? Why you got that pillow over your pants, David? Because <laughs> uh, I'm an old perv <laughs> looking at young people in love. Oh, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Your name is David. Take that pillow off your pants, Anthony. Uh huh. And you are Tim. Boy, I am as hard as John Cena. Crisp. Bum, 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 bum. Hard and like strong. I don't think he's like street hard, though. He tries to put that on. I love John Cena so much. He's a he's a good character. He's a better actor than I ever thought he would be. Yeah. In Blockers, he's great. He's so Great. funny. He's so cool. And you want to know something really funny? Um, I got a message from Kathleen. I got a message from uh, Jake Ewald's dad after I did. Oh, the oh yeah. Interview. I'm friends with, with him, him on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> he he reached out to me on Twitter. Did, he must have reached out to you after the profile. Yes, yes, yes. You did a modern baseball. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite pieces of well, writing you. you ever did for the AV Club. It was something. And uh, he reached out to me after our interview for Better Yet, and he told me that he really liked the interview and he really appreciated it. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. And then I looked at his profile, and John Cena is following Jake Ewald's really? dad on Twitter. What? And I wanted to go back and say, excuse me, Mr. Ewald, yeah. since you're my friend's dad, and I can't Don't. just call you Mike or whatever. Yeah. Why does John Cena follow you on Twitter? Great question. It is funny whenever you see, like, I, it's not like I look at people's profiles that much on Twitter. I just kind of, like, tweet about Dragula, and then people follow me for some reason. Um, at DB Anthony. Yes. Uh, but it is always funny when I see someone follows me where, like, I get the notification of it, and I'll go to their profile, and I'm like, yeah, why is, like, I don't know, fucking John Cena or, I don't know, uh, whomever following this rando that i've never heard like what is the connection so point strange. and it's always because like everyone has their own w weird twitter history of like oh yeah i did this one dumb tweet four years ago that all of a sudden now a hundred thousand people follow me for no reason it's a very odd platform. everybody has that story yes everyone it's amazing we all have a hundred thousand followers yes it's like what's the value then of a hundred thousand followers you see this is why communism only works in theory uh-huh we are avoiding talking about a song uh, sort of yeah well i mean let's let's be totally frank when you texted me the songs that came up in the most recent roll of the dice i was like oh we've already done that one and that's because i confused it with another similarly titled song on the same album which is not a thing you want when you uh, make an album, is for that to be a thing that happens. Not a good sign. Uh, so, Young Lovers, I confuse with Only Love. Uh, both Dan songs on My Shame is True. This on the is the second side. Second side. This is the second to last song. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're worlds apart in how we feel about it, but... You seem to really not like it. This is like, okay, I feel like when this song started, and I listened to it for the first time ever Yeah, this morning, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, was the initial premise that I often forget about. I said to myself, this is the last dance song on this record. Oh, I mean, it totally it has just that has that like, emotional, like, the way that If We Never Go Inside feels for mm. Good Morning, only this just lays it out a lot thicker. This is a really, like, emotional... Little yeah. piece of music we got. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of dripping with sentimentality, which is the complaint people have about some of Dan's later work, which I can see. Uh, definitely hearing it today for the first time in a long time, I was like, oh, I know what song this is pretty much immediately. And my first thought was not that, but I was like, is this the closing track? Did I forget this is the closer? Because I knew... Matt closed this record and I was like, I believe we talk about it. I was like, is that Midnight Blue? Is that like, I was straining for which other nothing songs that like I know the title of, but are just like not locked in my brain it was. And when I played it, I was like, you know, um, I, I think I've gone on record on this podcast a um, good amount of time saying that like, I think if you took Broken Wing and My Shame is True and cut them down, you could get a pretty decent 10 song lp some real strong highlights and a few like that's a fine little filler track this is one of the songs i would keep as a fine little filler track bringing us to a close on the b-side personally i think musically definitely dripping with sentimentality definitely sounds very like i'm sad it's just like we talk a lot about bill stevenson's production Yes, but it's just like he hears those chords and immediately he's just like he's got that freaking amp setting down totally for those mat leads those overdubs that are just like come on well it it literally just sounds like dan played the first 15 seconds of the song on guitar in the room for matt derek and bill and then Bill just hit the button where it's like, yeah, ballad, punk rock ballad song. Right. That's literally it. I like Bill Stevenson as a songwriter a lot and producer on his own records for his own bands quite a bit. I think he's very good at that um, because the Descendants and all have a very specific sound that he locks into, especially with how the guitars sit relative to drums and bass that... He like never busts that out for anyone else because it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, and there's elements so dialed in. Yeah, and like that's amazing. It's truly a testament to a, him being able to hear a song in his head and perfectly articulate what it is and how he wants to express it. But I think with this, like this is very clean sounding. It's not offensive to me. Um, but all that being said, it's the type of song that like I would never hear it come on and be like "Mm, fuck this turn it off but i would there's no point where i lock into it there's no point where i'm like whoa that's really cool or i really like this it's just kind of like yeah fine i'm fine with it i think i had that like feeling when the the music started too where it's just like it, it, it feels like shooting fish in a barrel when i'm just like oh this is so like sappy even though i do feel that very much but it's like okay I, I i'm at a point where i'm not gonna get mad about that yeah no I'm totally gonna, i'm gonna like come into this with an open mind and then those lyrics come in and i'm just like dan what are you talking about here this is not a song 
about anything. Well, that pivots nicely into our new segment, Dan, What Are You Talking About Here, where we talk about Dan's lyrics. Um, so why don't you hit me with those? Because that's actually something that, again, because it kind of washes past me, I just know in the chorus he's like, young lover. That's about it. Well, the young lover. So there you are with your broken heart. Bad first line. Bad first line, but it sets it up. Yeah. You know that they're there mm-hmm. with their broken heart. My dear, you know there's six of those out there for every star. What does that mean? I don't know. Six broken hearts. Is it like, is he trying to set up like, for your one true love, you'll have six heartbreaks? Like he's an evil witch or something? Like prophesizing? Yeah, before before you get to, <laughs> before you pass this bridge you must answer me these questions three it's sort of like that yeah it's like before you can enter the gumdrop village like a cheap old toy in a child's hand you can cry until it's fixed but it will break again we get it you're a dad who the child can cry that's a good question who is the you in this statement uh i don't know it's not clear because he was just referring to you with your broken heart so you're seeing a child with a broken toy, a cheap old toy in its hand. It's broken. And you're crying because you know that it's going to be fixed, but never repaired. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Um, young lover, let's waste no time. You're too concerned with heaven. Which happens, that shit happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. I am always trying to, uh, trying to get... Uh, young lovers to stop thinking so much about heaven yeah i mean generally speaking um you know where i occupy most of my time where there are young lovers are usually like you know uh kind of like uh baptist ringtop revival type places you know where you can see that uh this young boy in a blue suit and this young woman in a blue dress are, are very uh smitten with one another but they're also fearful of sin yeah so they get married when they're 18 yes. so that they can have bad sex with each other because yes. they've never had sex with anybody else and mm-hmm. now they're stuck not knowing how to do it. Yep. Um, which also kind of fits into the theme of this chorus, which is basically he's just like trying to be like, don't worry about that. Yeah. We're yeah. young lovers tonight. Yeah. This. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Keep going. Don't freeze up now. Have you seen the news? Don't be frigid. I'm trying to bang here. Uh-huh. Oh, it's just like, we don't really need to go into this, but here's here's the thought that I had as I'm listening to this song and the, the set up for something emotional and emphatic. And I'm hearing Dan sing a song that really just doesn't say anything. Yes. And it reminded me of an experience that I had about 16 hours ago when I watched Star Wars oh, Episode boy. One: The Phantom Menace. Go on. For the first time since probably the year 2000. Have you seen that movie lately? No, but famously, I, I will tell my one experience with this film, which is uh, I went to see it with my mom and one of my friends. I was like 10 because it was 2000. And like about like half hour in like the movie cut off and like someone had to go out and tell the people like hey the movie cut off can you like start it up again and it happened a few more times <laughs> like it so we all got our money back 
it was also the first time where like I ever remember being like totally disappointed by something that I thought was going to be cool as a kid. Yeah. And I remember talking to my mom and the friend I went with about it. And I was just like, I think I'd give it like a two. Damn. I was like pretty like, I, I don't know. I was just bored and didn't really do much for me. So do you give it, you give it two pod racers out of five Correct. or two out Correct. of Oh, okay. Which is like probably higher than I would today, but you know, for a ten-year-old's critical judgment, I gave it a I gave it a two on Letterboxd. If you all want to follow me on Letterboxd, it's uh, my screen name is Big Movie Fan sixty nine. I've been doing a lot of uh, stream of consciousness movie reviews lately. I feel like I'm in a good place creatively with doing those. But here's the thing about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace that I I didn't remember but was immediately just blown back by because uh-huh. you have a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and you have that scroll after Star Wars. And they set it up to where the Trade Federation has imposed an unfair tax on trade routes. Mm-hmm. And the bureaucracies and the senators are trying to figure it all out yeah and it's like the conflict of this movie which has been criticized for being so directed towards children and selling toys sure the conflict as opposed to star wars episode four a new hope which opens with there's a civil war going on. Uh-huh. The conflict of of the Phantom Menace as they lay it out for you is there's this kind of bureaucratic mess going on. <laughs> and it's, that movie is so it's like it's like scanning in between Nickelodeon and C-SPAN. Yeah. There's so much fucking like exposition that's just like well, now it's up to the bureaucrats. And then you go to the Jedi Council and it's kind of just a bureaucracy. And then you got Anakin Skywalker and Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) And it's just like this crazy like fluff and then nothing's going on and then there's nothing in between. And I'm listening to this song that's trying real hard to create an emotional response. And I'm just like, young lover, let's not waste time. What? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I don't think I want to be able to top that analogy, to be fair. <laughs> uh, so I will just build off of it. Who do you think the Phantom Menace was? Was it taxes? You know, that's a really interesting question because I don't think that movie really makes itself clear. Mm. I think the Phantom Menace might be the Emperor, who I don't know if you're supposed to know that it's Palpatine. That's the thing that I was trying to figure out Mm -hmm. last night. It's like, I know it's Senator Palpatine, and they're obviously making very, uh, very, making very clear, like, motions towards the camera that Senator Palpatine is the Emperor, but... I don't know enough about Star Wars and like the story leading up to it to know if that was a known fact for people going in. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't know. Like, I've, I think I saw what was the first 
uh, Star Wars movie, recent one? Uh, the Force Awakens. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. Had a fine time. Fun movie. Have not seen literally any of them since. Not because I dislike Star Wars, but because I'm like, this is just too much shit for me. It's the yeah. same way I fell off of all the Avengers movies. Like I remember seeing the first Avengers in the theaters and being like, this is fun and cool. And now there's been 27 movies since then, and I just do not have that kind of time. I do a podcast about the Alkaline Trio, damn it. What was crazy about watching uh, episode one was the amount of just exposition that goes into that movie. Like mm-hmm. like Qui-Gon Jinn and Anakin Skywalker at some point are like walking to a spaceship and Anakin Skywalker like asks him a question and Liam Neeson just like leans down in front of him, like crouches down and just explains midi chlorians to him for like two minutes. And awesome. It's like, Love to see it. Where are they going? Yeah. And yeah. also you're just like reading a encyclopedia Britannica entry. To be fair, I love to see it <laughs> truly on screen. Um, well, yeah, I, I think people know how we stand on this song. I, I just, I, I feel like there's, if you're going to tell the story of young lovers, mm-hmm. Dan from the Alkaline Trio, yeah, for your eighth record, like at least tell something that has like some distinctive quality to it, yeah, not just like the ascribing of like, oh, you feel this way you have a broken heart just like the stars like where are you in there yeah i mean so i i think the issue with this song is it's clearly not really about anything as you can see and i'm gonna liken this to what is one of my least favorite songs of all time i'm not gonna put them on equal weight but when you were kind of going through the lyrics there it made me think of this which is a song that the first two lines are, you know, a metaphor. And then the next line just explains the metaphor. Uh, and it's like, why did you do that? Why did you elect to do that? And those lines are as follows. She was a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. <laughs> she was the best damn woman that I've ever seen. Okay, is she a woman or a car, ACDC? Like, are we that dumb? Uh, and this one here in the, like, oh, you're a lover with six broken hearts for every one true love, and there's a child's toy smashed but not broken. And it's just like, I don't under- Was this just... Could you imagine Could you imagine being, like, the biggest ACDC Bon Scott fan, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden this new guy comes along and lays down the fucking lyrics to you shook me all night long and you're just like what the fuck are you doing with the acdc franchise i mean to be fair like acdc has three kinds of songs one about thunderstorms that's like one genre the second (laughs) genre is just about like rock music being good and or bad and the third is about balls that's literally it that is their subject matter forever and that song fucking brian johnson is just like somehow an insult to all three i honestly think that i could like get down on listening to acdc for a week 
Really? Yeah, I think I could. I've never really tried much because I find myself so annoyed. But I, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like every fifth song on classic rock radio is an ACDC song. And I don't... I would love to hear the ACDC songs that I've never heard before. True. I imagine they sound exactly like every other ACDC song, but it could be illuminating. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Maybe they're a band that has secret depth, like the Ramones or Motorhead, where everyone thinks they do one song, but there's actually some variation within that. Yeah. I wonder, like, what the... Because, like, you and I both like Thin Lizzy a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And... I think that Thin Lizzy occupies kind of that same world, but there's a depth to Thin Lizzy that we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that we can really get into just like how groovy they are sure. and how you know some of the songs on their surface are so fucking silly, yeah, but there's so many tracks that are just like that just come from like salt of the earth, like absolute like feeling human emotion Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean have records that like don't really have i think recognizable hits that are still good yeah which is like i know people feel that way about like the pre-black and back in black acdc which is cool um i just don't know if that's ever gonna click in for me maybe i'll try it one of these days but we'll see i'll try it um when i start taking uh guitar lessons ah yes. once i get that once i get that uh 15 watt amp and that's the, the three chords <laughs> that's all you'll need what do you rate this song i'm gonna go a little higher than people might expect and give it a three three really well like i said this is not it's not a song i hate i was i was thinking 2.5 but i think genuinely if this was on a shorter version of this record where there weren't like if we, if I could just uh, George Lucas it, which is go back in time and make uh, the Phantom Menace. Um, Cause that's what this record is. Uh, I would definitely just cut stuff and be like, I think there's a world in which musically this song plays fine. Every issue I take with it is purely like Dan's not saying anything. Yeah. And he's not really putting together a vocal performance that's all that compelling. So I think from a musical perspective, I am fine with this. There's some little pieces where I'm like, okay, like with a different melody and different words, I think I could get behind it. I think that the problem that Dan runs into sometimes with songs like these are that is that there's there's a lack of like directness totally usually they're just like 20 percent too wordy Uh to really uh have an emphatic uh impact on Mm -hmm. like the story that he's trying to tell and i think that yeah vocally there's really nothing that like really sticks out in the delivery to this no it just no kind of hangs yeah it's like i i think because i have no negative feelings on it but i'm otherwise usually so negative about a lot of this record it's one where i'm like there's nothing that like really bums me out but yeah i i think one of the things is uh they both struggle with either being like way too on the nose or not impressionistic enough and this song is right in between yeah definitely definitely. what do you give it I give it a two. Same rating I gave uh, Star Wars Episode One when I watched it last night. Fair. You can follow me, uh, Big Movie Fan Sixty Nine, on Letterboxd. It's a great handle. Um, 
it's nice to be able to like do a social media handle that has no real attachment to like trying to be cool. Yeah. 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 I also got Iron Man three up there on my top four on Letterboxd. Uh, Hey, aside from following us on Letterboxd, you can follow us on your podcast players subscribing to us. Uh, It's the new year and it would be nice if you rate this show Uh and write a review for it. Yeah. And tell a friend about it. And if you want to, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You can check out some of the uh, tiers of pledging. We give people the option to pledge a monthly amount to help keep us going over here. Mm-hmm. You can vote in polls. And there's bonus audio content. It's a couple bucks a month to help us to continue to do this thing. We do it because we like to do it, and we're going to continue to do it no matter what, and we'll be back with it next week. We talk about another Alkaline Trio song. I just want to say that when you said the podcast players, I've just been thinking about the most boring fucking Aaron Sorkin movie that could come out of that title. Um, So that's where my head's been. How How about the pod racers? Well, no. No. We'll see you next week. We'll talk about uh, Attack of the Clones. Thanks, Bubbas. You've never seen Attack of the Clones? Um, I, I, I feel like I know what it's about. The theater, yeah. It's about, uh, it's about a lot of... I'm sure that there's a lot of explaining that goes into it. I would definitely. It's a lot of... Oh, what do you mean about clouds? Holy shit, look at that. The episode one, man, you know who is not comfortable? Who? You and McGregor. He's so fresh off of train spotting. Oh, like that dude was yeah. just an indie guy. And then he's like, oh fuck, I'm acting opposite the cardboard box. And he's just in Jar Jar Beans. He's actually he's like trying to have this like Padawan relationship with Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam Neeson's just like He's a young Padawan. Yes, master. It's just, God, you were Mark Renton like 15 months ago. You were so strong. Weird. At least in the movie. Yeah. You seen that movie? Like? No. Transpotting? No. When was, have you seen it before? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I've one of my book favorite too, yeah. movies ever. Yeah, really? the book's amazing. Huh. I love it. I didn't realize you liked it that much. I will say I do like Iron Man 3 a lot. Iron Man 3 is fucking great yeah because it just becomes lethal weapon 2 at a point yeah which is the best lethal weapon i haven't seen lethal weapon 2 diplomatic immunity (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i had a train spotting t-shirt it just it's a train spotting and then the whole like opening monologue did you see those uh snowing shirts they sent out because of the whole thing what's up been snowing yeah we'll get into what shirt they sent out a shirt because they played that show and they had to stop playing after four songs because the floor was going to collapse and people were mad. Oh. I'll show it to you. It's quite oh, okay. funny. T-shirts. Oh.